it's actually a lot of value speaking to customers, people who aren't your customers. There's a lot, and even deals that you've lost. If you can, if you can brace yourself to go and speak to people who have rejected you. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal of what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right, where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hello and welcome back. This is episode 56, where today, we go from what my guest calls random acts of marketing to actually developing a plan for what really is going to help you generate leads in your business, despite what the latest so-called guru has to say about it. So this is about getting real-world data about your ideal target market and using it in the smartest way to attract more of the people you truly want to work with and less of the people who aren't a good fit. Now, I bet that today's topic is going to resonate with a lot of people. More importantly, I hope it resonates with you because nearly everyone that I've ever met who runs a business of any size has been guilty of this to some extent. And unless you put a lid on this, you're going to keep wasting a lot of time, money and effort in your marketing. And it's something I've really had to crack down on over the last few years. I've got a lot more focused, but it's still so easy to get drawn back into it. Now, the problem tends to arise in one or two ways. Either you see someone in your industry who's doing something with their marketing that you think is really cool, so you look at it and you think, wow, that's brilliant, I could do that too. Or you speak to someone or maybe attend a webinar where the person tells you that the best way to market your business is through Facebook or Instagram, paid traffic, business networking. It could be a lot of different things, but before you know it, you're caught up in their excitement and you're working on some new marketing opportunity, usually at the expense of everything else you've been working on before. Entrepreneurs are the ultimate opportunity seekers. When we see a new opportunity, it's hard to ignore it. What we end up with are these random acts of marketing. We chase one thing after another, only to abandon it before we've fully developed our skill set there and have used it long enough to gain sufficient data to know whether it actually works or not. Now, you've probably heard that marketing is all about two things. It's about test and measure. And I bet you're good at the testing, but are you any good at the measuring? And what can we do up front to make sure that our marketing is as on the money as it can be so that we don't have to make a thousand mistakes like Edison and the light bulb before we hit on something that actually works? And my guest today has spent 15 years in business-to-business IT sales and marketing before she founded her own marketing agency in 2009. She has a unique blend of content marketing and strategy and tactical campaign execution skills, and she's happy as most when her marketing and sales align and business goals are met. So let's dig in and hear from our guest today, Sarah McIntyre. Sarah, as you know, I always like to start with a random question. I've got a question here for you. In fact, I've got 20 questions, but I'm only going to ask you one. So can you pick a number from one to 20 and I'll give you a question? Seven. 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 Okay, let's have a look. So question seven is... What's the most useless talent you have? Oh, my goodness. Most useless talent. Well, I, um, mm, I tend to have a mind full of useless information, actually. So ask me about soap operas or celebrities or some other random stuff, and I'll tend to know what's going on in uh, what's happened on, on Love Island 
or, or the Bachelorette or some kind of, um, yeah, really uh, lowbrow TV show. I'm all, I'm all over it. It's uh, pretty useless but actually quite good at trivia nights. So. Well, actually, I think that that's going to be really good because I bet all your friends come to you and say, okay, what's happening in Love Island or Neighbours or whatever? So I, I bet you're a really good friend like that. Yeah, yeah, we can have lots of useless um, useless conversations. <laughs> Excellent. Time-wasting conversations over cups of tea. Oh, I don't watch any of that, but uh, I imagine a lot of people do. So uh, you know, I bet there'd be a lot of people wanting to catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get into today's uh, topic, which is all about random acts of marketing. And my first question for you really is just uh, kind of exploring, is there any reason why we shouldn't get involved in sort of experimenting you know what's wrong with just experimenting a little bit with your marketing yeah oh look there's nothing wrong with with experimenting with marketing I think everything with marketing is a bit of an experiment I guess you know what I've seen a lot of times and what with companies is they experiment a little bit and then they stop and they go well that's a failure and they experiment a little bit and then they stop or they might just experiment and 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 use gut feel to evaluate whether it was effective or not and not have the systems or tools or technology in place to actually know whether it was whether it was a valuable experiment or not a valuable experiment and which elements of that experiment that they, they should be um, should be tweaking I mean marketing particularly modern marketing is multifaceted it's it's there's so many different elements of it that you could tweak and change um, and people often just, try for something, try for the big swing and miss for the big hit. They look for some big viral kind of amazing success story and it doesn't happen. And that doesn't happen, typically doesn't happen. So they throw it all out and start again when maybe they should just iterate on the experiment and have a look at a look at the things that were working and things that weren't working. Was it the messaging? Was it was working? Was it the channel? Was it the offer? What element of the of that whole marketing campaign that they put together what element of it wasn't working and so I don't think there's any harm in experimenting I think you know there's there's never really any guaranteed system for marketing you know because the variables change so much and if you're using third-party platforms like like Google ads or Facebook ads or then then you're at the mercy of those platforms as well and the algorithm changes and all that kind of stuff and then you then you're then you kind of have to start again a little bit so, um, yeah, I think marketing is about experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't work, but experimenting um, with some kind of uh, goal and objectives and and control behind it. Okay, that's interesting. So you mentioned the keywords there, goals, objectives, and control. And I was, I was thinking a little bit about sort of measuring uh, what it is that we do. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we go wrong. But perhaps you can tell me, you know, what is the problem with, as you say, random acts of marketing? Mm. Well, I think it's, I think it's, it leads to frustration. So what, what I've found with a lot of organisations that I, that I meet with is that they do a bunch of these, these random acts of marketing, which is essentially a whole bunch of different marketing tactics. And I think when you, when you start learning about marketing and you start being out there, you get bombarded with all these different people and gurus saying, do these Facebook ads over here, they're a guaranteed winner or do go and come to this event or, you know, put this print ad in, in, a, in a publication or whatever it is. That's tactics. That's not strategy and it's not consistent execution. And I think that's, 
you know, you've got to come back with your marketing to the very basics of, of, of who your customer is, what your product offer is, and what your business is trying to achieve um, over a longer period of time. And then put a, put something together that's that's um, simpler but yet consistent. I think what I see a lot of people just doing a whole bunch of random things is that they kind of think that's marketing. You know, they just do we're just, we're just going to go to do a whole bunch of random stuff, and and it kind of it's a bunch of tactics actually masquerading as a plan. That's why I call them random acts of marketing. Like people will get all excited and do one thing and then they'll stop, and then they'll, do, they'll go do another thing and then they'll stop. And, and get all frustrated and then think marketing doesn't work and, and it's all just too hard. And, and that's something I've been very guilty of in the past. I, I've probably done just about everything well you can think of. Um, I'd, I think that the good thing about that is I've learned from a lot. Uh, but maybe at the time you don't realise that you desperately just try lots of different things. The tough thing is that you speak to so many people and they say, do this, do that, whatever. And it, there's always the, the next best thing. You know, somebody says to you, oh, you don't want to be doing Facebook ads anymore, you want to be doing this, or you don't want to be doing that anymore, you want to be doing this. Uh, yeah. So you said, I thought it was quite interesting, you said about, like, these are just tactics, what we want is strategy. What do you mean by that? Yeah, 100%. So what I mean by strategy is is building your marketing program on solid foundation. So making sure, and the the very first thing that you would do is is understand your customer so who are your customers today um what do they buy from you who are a good fit customer who's a bad fit customer really get a deep understanding of of who they are and and when you by by doing that i mean actually going and speaking with them i think um you know a lot of times customer research gets outsourced maybe to third other third-party agencies it can people do surveys and uh, or they do workshops and internal workshops, but what I find with all of those things is is that you are you tend to just validate your existing assumptions um, because you're asking you're asking the question right. So what I propose that my customers do is to actually go and speak with their customers face to face, if they can on on the phone. Just have a conversation with their customers face to face, because the things that you find out in those conversations. Are the, really the things that that um, that form your form your marketing strategy? So that's critically important, really, to to go and do those do those deep dive customer interviews, so, and that's the foundation. The second piece uh, from when you're building out your foundational strategy is to go and um, align with your sales team. So particularly for small businesses, if they have a sales team, you can't have a marketing team that's going one way and a sales team that's going the other way. It's just it's just ridiculous. So you really have to go and sit with your sales leaders and your sales people and understand their objectives because you know marketing and sales needs to be so connected these days. You can't have you can't have it, you know, sales guys pointing to marketing and saying you're doing a bad job and the marketers pointing to the sales guys and saying they never follow up our leads and it just it's just a wasted opportunity. And I think if you can support the sales team um, and deliver them with quality leads um, that are aligned to their objectives, understanding their objectives, so they've got to hit you know X number of revenue by you know the end of the quarter. So what does that look like? How many deals do they need to get to get to get to that revenue objective? How many leads do they need to get to those deals? And then you start actually mapping out a plan with some numbers behind it to go. Particularly if you're doing online marketing, you can go, okay, well, to get to that number of leads, 
that number of qualified leads and that number of deals, I need to have this number of visits to the website or this number of downloads of a, of a piece of collateral. So that's the essence of, a, of an inbound marketing strategy is to map out, you know, the various ex- aspects of your funnel so that you're, um, you've, got, you've got some tangible numbers behind it and you can make some educated guesses about the volume that you need. And then you can work on, well, what, what do I need? Do I need more traffic? Do I need more conversions? So what is it that I actually need rather than kind of randomly going out and going, well, let's just you know, run a whole bunch of Facebook ads and get a whole bunch of awareness or some traffic when actually maybe you just need conversions. You've got a lot of traffic, but nothing, none of it's converting. So those are the questions that you need to ask yourself about the type of program that you need to put together. But you need to understand your customers, align yourself with the sales team, and then also look at what you've already got in place. I think a lot of people overlook the things that they already have in, in place. So maybe there's a sales presentation that, that they give. We could, we could turn it into a video. We could turn it into a download. Maybe there's, um, maybe there's an event that you go to all the time that you present and you do a workshop. How about turning that workshop into a webinar and promoting it further? I think people overlook a lot of the stuff that they already have in their filing cabinets and don't really realise that they could use that um, in a, in a marketing capacity. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. There's a couple of things you hit on there which I thought were really, really good. Uh, you're right, Ashley. It does make sense to go and look at what existing content that you've got and that you could use in different ways. Instead of just going out and doing something else and adding something else to your list, it's just more pressure to, to do more stuff. And ultimately, there's only so much time we've got. I thought it was interesting how you're talking about not just numbers, but you were talking about behaviors. And essentially, that's what we should be talking about. And you're right. If you're in a bigger, if you're a bigger business, then you might have a separate sales team and a separate marketing team. In which case, we need them both to work together. But if you're like a really small business, maybe you've got a handful of staff that perhaps you outsource to. Maybe you haven't got your own full internal team yet. It seems to me that one thing that tends to happen is that those people are scattered around the place, and so it comes down to, as you said, it comes down to communicating. And making sure that everybody knows their part and their role and how their their parts interact with one another, because yeah. you know otherwise we're all working in silos and yeah. you, people yeah. don't understand the impact of that or, or sometimes we don't see the connections. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's also where it comes back into telling your company story succinctly and from the customer lens. And if everyone in the company can tell the same story. Then your then your employees become your salespeople as well because they they can quite simply say oh we do this this and this or you know our customers you know experience this kind of transformation when we work with us in really simple so sorry was it telling your customer story yeah so if you do the work internally yeah. to create a very simple message that that tells the customer story and it's so simple that every employee knows exactly what it is it's not one of those mission statements that's written up and stuck on the wall that's, you know, that, you know, a really long wordy paragraph about innovation or blah, 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 you know, so all the time. No one's going to memorise that. You need to have a very simple sentence that just says what, says what you do. Yeah, so this is what I imagine a lot of people talk about as a value proposition statement. Uh, so can you give us an ex- example of that, Sarah? What would that sound like? Ah, uh, so um, I'm working with a company right now that does. This is a, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit complicated. I'm afraid we're still working on it. Um, but they they sell digital transformation 
platforms. So their tagline at the moment is there's thousands of vendors, millions of apps, but will they solve your next business problem? So what they're speaking to there is the the need for a system to always be changing. So they their, their customers have business problems in a regulatory environment that change quite frequently. So what they what they found is their differentiator is they can adapt much more quickly than their competitors. So they say, we can solve your next business problem. Okay. I like that. Although you can apply that to a lot of different businesses, it kind of does put across a sense of value, doesn't it? We all want problem solved. The simplicity of it as well. Yeah, I think that, and, that, and, that it's a, and it's a bit of a conversation starter. You can say, we will solve your next business problems, problems that you don't even know you have. And I think with this particular audience, it resonates with them because they're bombarded with regulatory changes all the time. So they go, oh, yeah, right, as soon as we fix one problem, we've got another problem. So it doesn't make sense for them to buy a solution that only solves one problem. They need a solution that will be adaptable enough to solve the next problem that they don't even know they have. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's a mark of a good uh, customer story or value proposition is that it's something that generates discussion. It's something that sparks some kind of imagination or curiosity and that people want to find out more. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You were saying earlier about how important it is having a customer avatar and understanding who the customer is. Now, we talked about customer avatars a lot on this show before, so I kind of don't want to dip into that too much. Obviously, there is a need to understand who your customer is. Your customer avatar is simply a map of that. Is all the detail written down about that. What I'm curious about, and I know that you can help us with this, Sarah, is how do we get to that? So if we want a customer avatar, which is, uh, say, an explanation about who our ideal customer is, we could sit down and we could just guess at who that might be. But really, as you said earlier, it is down to speaking to your customers, finding out what matters to them. And in fact, this was an exercise I did back, I think it was November, December time. I was running a, a boot camp or planning to run a new boot camp. And uh, I actually went out and interviewed my customers. Mm-hmm. So you recommend going out and conducting a series of interviews to gather information. Yeah. Can we dig into that? How do you go about doing that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, I work with um, clients and I usually uh, get them. Well, first of all, we, we will do, we'll run an internal workshop because the clients I work with tend to have multiple people involved um, in buying decisions. Yeah. So it's usually a longer sales cycle and multiple people involved. So we, I tend to, well, I try and make them focus on one person uh, in, in that sales process. So firstly, we'll run a workshop, get everyone's thoughts together and then decide on which, which one we're going to target. Um, and then I will ask them to introduce me and we'll send a nice little email. I'm very clear about saying it's not a customer testimonial. So this is not uh, not a conversation that's that's going to be, you know, splashed all over a website or used in any, in any of that kind of fashion. I want to put the customers at, at ease so they can just speak freely to me um, about, about, about their buying journey. And that's really what I want to, want to establish in this conversation is the buying journey. The reason why it's important to talk to the customer about it because you as a company don't really know what the buying journey is until they find you. What happens in all that bit before they find you, which is where you're supposed to be doing your marketing. All that bit you know, to attract them to you, you need to find that out. And the only way you can find that out is from actually talking to a customer. Otherwise, you're just, you're just making assumptions. You know, 
then we set up an interview. I usually do do phone interviews. I record them so we can go back and and analyze them in future and start the conversation. And it is a conversation. It's not supposed to be an interrogation. I do have a I do have a, a very long list of questions, but it is it but it is conversational. And a couple of my favorite questions are: firstly, I I like to ask them to take me back to the time. I usually also always ask open-ended questions as well, and not yes or no answers. Yeah. So I usually say, take me back to the time when you decided to look for whatever this solution is and then stop. And then they, they talk. And, they say, and then, you say, then, you, then you can ask them, what made that a priority for you? you know, what triggered that search and see what happens? And then what did you find? Who else was out there? What else did you find? What else did you expect that to be? Because a lot of times the jargon that you encounter, they expect it to be something that it's it's not. And they found other solutions that, you know, may or may not compete with you. And so that's, you know, the very initial stage. How did you go find people? Did you do it? You know, don't don't prompt them and say, did you do an internet search? They'll say, yes, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. How did you go about that process and see what they say? Yeah, this is brilliant. And I, I suppose it might be helpful for a moment to step back and think, okay, so the, the customer journey or the buyer's journey, it's all about mm-hmm. everything that happens along the way, isn't it? And so if yeah. you decide you want to buy a car, you don't just get out of bed and go to Toyota or whichever company you want to buy from and just say, <laughs> I'll have that one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of things you do. You speak to your friends and, you do your research and, you know, you watch what other people drive and you have conversations, don't you? So this is what you're trying to learn, is that right? Right, exactly. So what the journey was, what made them come from awareness of your solution or the, the, the problem that they have and the solution that they're looking for, and consideration of the options. So what are their options? They might want a Toyota or a Mazda or, a, you know, a Mini. What are the options that they, that they need? Um, and then that, that's a consideration phase. They might talk to their friends and compare prices. And then there's decision, the decision stage. So what, what, what questions do they need answered in the decision made? And can I get finance or those types of things? And then you map out that journey and ask them the questions that they, that they need answered in, the, in each of those different phases. So in the awareness phase, you know, what questions were you looking for answers? What questions did you have when you were, when you were just deciding that you need a new car. What questions do you have? And then in the consideration phase, what questions do you have? You know, what what objections you know come up in that in that in that um in that process? Okay, this is really interesting. What you're saying then is that to find the right questions, what you do is you break it down to the stages of the buyer's journey. So you said right. awareness, and then did you say consideration and decision? Right. Yeah. That's right. So awareness, consideration, decision. And for each one of those, you will map out a, a series of questions, yeah? Yeah, to so ask them what questions that they wanted answered during, during, during those, those phases. Also to ask them what, what, um, you know, where do they get their information from. So that would be part of the awareness stage. Yeah, or even, or even the, the consideration stage. Where do you get your information to, from? Are you talking to your friends? Are you talking to oh. are you talking, going into a car dealership? Um, you know, where where is the information? Are you are you researching on car review sites? Are you looking up YouTube videos? You know, where where are you getting your information from? Because as a marketer, that leads to well, that's maybe where you should be. You know, if they're watching YouTube videos, 
like my son does, of, of Lamborghinis, <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe that's where you should be if you're going to buy a Lamborghini. So, um, or, you might, or, or you want to target 12-year-olds, but anyway. Okay, so this is brilliant. I imagine that you're going to learn a lot of useful things here because obviously once, once we've got this, we've got a map of what our customers want and care about right. how they make decisions or come to make a decision. Yeah, and that's, that fits the content calendar. Yes. So you can start answering those questions. By whichever channel you feel feel comfortable with, you can start answering those questions by doing YouTube videos. You can answer the questions by writing blog articles. You can ask those questions in an email newsletter. You can ask them in a podcast. You can answer them in all sorts of different marketing channels. You could run Facebook Live events. You could, you know, you could answer all those questions in in whatever channel your wherever wherever your customers hang out. Really, is where you want to be. If you want to be on LinkedIn. You know, that's you know answer those questions, same questions on on LinkedIn. That's sure. that you've got content that, that that your customers need answers to. You've asked them where they hang out. Now just produce some content that answers those questions. Okay, this is brilliant. I want to come back to what you were saying before about how you were uh, like you you often go out and do the interviews yourself. Do you think it it matters whether it's like if for a small business owner, do you think? Uh, it needs to be somebody external. Is there a benefit of it being external rather than you doing it? Well, I think it's, there's pros and cons, yeah. I think oftentimes customers open up more to external people, particularly yeah. if it's a small business and they have a close relationship with the with the company. If, they, if, they, if you're a third party, then, then it's a bit more arm's length than actually giving the kind of direct feedback to the to the owner of the business that you have a relationship. It depends on your relationship, I guess, that you have with your customers and the type of customers that you have. Um, I've only really ever done it as a as an agency person rather than actually doing it as an as an insider. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I suppose there's pros and cons to it. I, I imagine that if you are the business owner and you are interviewing people who are existing customers, that would have one dynamic. I think it's quite right you were saying about like being clear about this isn't about asking for referrals or testimonials. Um, and yes. also the same as well, if you're speaking to somebody who's not a current customer with you, then they might be worried that you're going to sell to them on the back of this. Right. It's not a sales call, 100% not a sales call. It's actually a lot of value speaking to customers, people who aren't your customers, There's a lot, and even deals that you've lost. If, yeah. you can, if you can brace yourself to go and speak to people who have rejected you, then uh, then great information from that too really good stuff to learn about why your product wasn't a good fit for them yeah and maybe maybe there's yeah maybe there's something that can be used in the product development process as you move forward great competitive information i mean those interviews are really good to do too people don't often do them um but i think if you can go and interview people who aren't your customers then you know or people who were in your sales process but but um, you know, for whatever reason or the other, chose a different solution. Um, that's really great information there as well. Okay, so let's just backtrack then. So we set up an interview. How long yep. do you reckon the interview for? It usually goes for about thirty minutes. Okay, so about thirty minutes. Set up an interview, and then before that interview, you can sit down and you map out a set of questions based on the the three bias stages that you suggested there: awareness consideration and decision can you give us yes. uh, a few questions for each one so awareness what kind of questions would you ask for that yeah so the awareness stage uh were the, were the questions that i was talking about earlier so i usually ask them to take me back to the time 
when they when it first became a priority for them. Yeah, I like that because it frames it as a, in a story. When you ask that, when you ask it that way, they yeah. go, "Oh yeah, I remember that time when you know my my you know I had a flat tire and I had to, you know." And that's where and that's where the story starts, and then it all just kind of flows out, really. Um, and yeah, so that's an awareness type of question, um, and then and then you just probe the question. So and then and then say and then what happened next? Yeah. So and then, you know, and so in, when you're in decision, so you so you you're aware of this problem, um, you've researched and you found some options. Then what happens next? How did you decide which one was better than the other? And then. Well, this one was, was higher price, but this one was better quality. I needed to do, you know, how do you find, how did you how did you compare the competition, Yenny? Yeah. What were the what were the things that were important to you in in considering your options? And even if your option was to do nothing, you know, what happens then if you do nothing? And then in decision stage is is things like what, what, is there anyone else involved in the decision making process? Do you have to go ask your husband or your you know your partner? To make to make this investment, so I tend to work in industries where it's quite a large financial investment, and so yeah. there usually are multiple people involved in the decision making process. So my questions are really more around that: you know, who else was involved? What does the process look like? Do we have to go to a tender? You know, those type of those types of things is what I kind of cover in decision stage. But you know, I think it's mainly who else is involved in in, in the journey. Do you have, you know, did you have to go get money from somewhere or is there, is, do they need finance or, um, yeah, it goes pretty Yeah, and maybe what criteria they were looking at, if they, they've got some kind of procurement process. I certainly know coming from local government is that when we wanted to buy something in with, any, you know, with any serious budget, then we would have a, like a criteria of what we were looking for and we would score right. against that. Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so yeah, understanding yeah. that mechanism and what the decision yeah. criteria was, and then I and then I asked them, well, what questions did you need answered during in this space? It's interesting, actually. We were talking back when we first met. We were talking about this and how uh, interview techniques were really important. One of the things that you're not advocating here is just going through. You said like earlier on, don't just go through with your list of twenty questions or fifty questions, what it is, whatever it is, and just bomb, 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 bomb. It's right. about getting into what's behind that. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where you just you need to ask the open-ended question and yeah. allow them to answer and allow them to allow there to be some quiet space for them to answer and not preempt the answer by by saying, "Did you look on the internet?" And they go, "Oh, yes, I did look on the internet." <laughs> no, you're not learning anything from there. You know, you could you, you'd ask them, "Well, how did you go about finding?" out about this problem or this solution yeah. what did you do and then if they come back with with anything that you that you want clarification for you could just say could you explain that a bit more to me what what did that look like to you how did that feel i think the feeling questions are really good too i hadn't touched on that but the emotional stuff is really great because because everyone buys with emotion everyone buys with emotion yeah. whether it's a purchase or whatever everyone buys emotionally so if you can infuse emotion into your into your marketing and this is the other reason for doing these interviews is because you get people to describe their problems and their challenges and your solution in their own words in their own terms which is vastly different from marketing speak so 
you know, when you're in your office or in your business and you write in copy, you tend to, you know, write in, you know, professional marketing speak. But when you talk to customers, things come out that, that don't, that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of to put into in your marketing. So I was talking to um, this client again and, and they said their major competitive differentiator is our system lets you go deep when no other systems can go. We're like, oh, we wouldn't have explained it like that, but that's actually really cool. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's brilliant. I think that one of the things that is sort of behind this really is getting into curiosity. And so you have your questions and you just ask the yes. next question, the next question. And you're right. Emotion's really, really powerful. And if we can understand what it is that put, that drive people, what they care about, then you yes. can sit down, you can have a conversation with somebody, whether it's uh, building up to sale, you know, your uh, marketing copy, or you just promote yourself at an event, or whether you're actually sitting down to have a proper sales meeting. When you sound like your customer because you're using their language, then it's far more powerful, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. They, 100%. They, they, um, they warm to you. They, they, they bond with you. They feel, think that you, they, well, you're speaking their language so you understand them. You, you empathise with them and, and they, they connect with you because you, you're, you're just repeating their, their story back to them. So it's, it's, it's very, very powerful when you can use Use that use that same terminology that they that they would do to explain. Yes, yeah. yeah, so it's the rapport here. I love it. Uh, okay, so you, what you described is a process. Then we go out, we speak to people. We want to stop this random acts of marketing, but it starts with understanding how people make a buying decision. So right. we go out, speak to people. How many people do you think make a viable number of people to get some data from? Do I just interview um, one person? Is that enough? Uh, no, not one because they're. There's always there's always the the outliers, you know, in the, in the types of things. So I would say a minimum of five, right? And uh, as many as you can do. I usually think fifteen is a good number to try and try and hit if you can. Um, depends how big the company is. Depends what the product is. Depends how many you can get in front. As many as you can, really. I think is it, but don't. You don't also don't want to overwhelm yourself. Overwhelm yourself. So, I think you know, fifteen is a pretty good number if you can, but do at least three or four, minimum okay. three or four. All right. Okay. So we're saying three or four minimum as a reasonable goal. Fifteen. That would give you yeah. a good sample. Go out, interview them, get curious, go through the three stages: awareness, consideration, the decision, and then I liked it that you talking about use those questions. You answer those in your marketing. Tell us a little bit more about that, would you? Yeah, right. So I think the things that come up in these interviews uh, are great topics for articles or for, for pieces of content, whether it's a blog article, whether it's a podcast interview, whether it's a YouTube video, uh, whether it's a webinar, all of these questions that and that customers need answers for are, are exactly what you should be writing about. So, yeah. so there's, you know, Probably three or four months worth of content right there for each of the buying each of the each of the buying stages, just from speaking with with your customers and speaking with your internal sales team as well. So you can map all that content out and uh, get writing. Hire a freelance hire a freelance writer to to write from those from those interviews based around those questions. Yeah, and you should have so much content there that you could just give somebody else you know to go and do. Yeah, uh, so if you don't want to do it yourself, yeah. 
hire someone. And, and you might also end up with ideas for, for deeper content assets. So, you know, I always look for, for things that can be evergreen. So, you know, if you're looking for like things like templates, checklists, things that you can promote over and over in perpetuities, keeping on promoting. So you're not doing like a one-off thing. So it's something that's valuable enough. Maybe you refresh it year on year. Maybe it's a survey or a or it's a study that you refresh year on year. But it's a it's something that's evergreen that people are always going to want to download from you. So um, templates and checklists are always usually pretty good. Looking for those kind of kind of things. Um, we just did one a, a video series about building a business case, which is very boring and and uh, <laughs> professional. But but it's that's what you know this target market needs to do. They build business cases all the time. So we put this video program, training program together for them that had templates and had videos and things. And so that will be a consistent feature of the marketing strategy strategy as we move forward because we'll constantly be sending people there. This is the mark of good uh, content development. I was talking on a previous episode with Ken McDonald how uh, essentially the best content that you provide is the content that people want and have a problem that you can solve. And so if you've done the if you've done the research then you find out that actually people are struggling with working out a business case, whatever, then that's something you can create content about. And you know that your yeah. customers are looking for that. So that's really powerful. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's good for it's good for SEO reasons, particularly things like building a business case because it's a long tail keyword. You're not just you know you're not just going off on the top level keywords, and it's something that you can continue to promote um, via email, via via paid ads, via you know at events. You could just you can just keep promoting all the time. Salespeople, sure. it's always good if you can get um, something that salespeople can use in the in in the sales process as well. If they need case studies, if they need customer stories, produce those so they can use them in in in, um, in the consideration stage for whatever deal they're doing. Excellent. Okay, so I want to move on to brand stories. Uh, you, mm. you touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, I'm kind of curious how you then take all this information that you've gathered and then turn that into a brand story and, and tell it through, tell your business story through your eyes customers. Before we do that, though, obviously people are going to want to speak to you. How do they get right. hold of you? Ah, well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Sarah, Sarah McIntyre, and my company is called Bright Inbound. Um, and brightinbound.com.au because I'm in Sydney. Okay. <laughs> so, so bright so Inbound. Bright Inbound, B-R-I-G-H-T, Inbound, I-N-B-O-U-N-D. Okay. Uh, are, yeah. are you already in social channels? Oh, yes. I'm on Twitter, Bright Inbound, Twitter, and I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook so much. I do have an Instagram handle, so if you go and look at Bright Inbound, you won't find anything. Because I've just, I've just, I've just locked in my handle so no one else can grab it. But yeah. I'm really mainly on LinkedIn because yeah. that's where my, that's where my audience is, is LinkedIn. Sure, so. sure. And we connect you via LinkedIn as well, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, what I'll do is I'll make sure that we've got links to your websites, all your social channels, everything as you've mentioned here. I'll put those up on the show notes page. Uh, so if you want to grab those, who anybody's listening right now, just go to getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 56. I'll remind you at the end of the show here. Uh, so let's getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 56 and you can pick up any of those links and you can contact Sarah there. Let's come back to the topic we started talking about earlier. It's about your brand story. So at this stage here, we've gone out, we've done your interviews, we found out so much 
information about our customers. We understand them much better now. How do you then turn that to a story uh, where you can convey the value in what you're trying to sell? Yeah, right. So I think this is an important point to step back and really um, make sure that you're not talking about yourself. I think, you know, a lot of marketing content that I review, that I, you know, look at people's websites and, and marketing collateral, and it's very, uh, it tends to be quite self-serving. So we talk about our products and our features and our benefits and who we are as a company and who the founder is and how many years we've been in business and how many awards we've won and, and blah, 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 and all the stuff that you think you need to have yeah. on your website. But really, you don't really because no one really cares unless they're going to, you know, they're digging right down. So what we need to do front and centre is tell, tell the story of your customer's transformation because they don't really care about that other stuff. What they really care about is what's in it for them and what transformational experience they're going to have from working with you. Now you've done your great customer research, you've got an incredible amount of insight. So you can start mapping out this journey. And I think the important thing also to, to realise is that, that the customer is the hero of the story, not you. Not you. You're the guide. And that's actually a very, very powerful place to be, be the guide in, in this story. So if you're thinking like um, Star Wars, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi or you're Yoda, depending on which one you like, and, and the customer is Luke Skywalker. So I think when you think about the story framework as well, people are hardwired to, to resonate with stories. We all tell stories. It's how our brain remembers things you know, facts and numbers and stuff, you know, are much harder to remember than, than a simple story. Um, we've been telling stories since the dawn of time. So that's why it's really important to, to try and express your, your business offer, what you've got to offer in a story fashion. So, and it starts with the customer. You, they have a problem. So what is the problem that they, that they, that they need to encounter? The customer has a problem and then they meet a guide. He gives them a plan yeah. and calls them to action that avoids failure and leads them to success. Sure. That's the story of Star Wars, isn't it? Right. It's the story of pretty much everything. If you think about it, um, you know, pretty much most movies follow a very similar framework. Yeah. And actually, I think that it's almost a complete paradigm shift for some people. Certainly, if I look back at how I did things when I first started my business, how I'm doing things now, that I see that I've gone through the shift. Is that if I think about the conversations I've had with people, either leading up to a sale or at an actual consultation, I realise that I've been the Luke Skywalker. I realise that everything's been focused on me because I've been talking about me, what I do, and how important I am, how clever I am, and all the skills I've got, and my background, and who cares. Um, and I think it comes from this whole need of trying to impress and trying to convince. Yeah, I think what you do do though is you you show empathy. Yeah. So in in your in your you know, we understand the problem that you're facing, and we are the best people to help you with this because and that's where you can show some authority. So we've been doing it for 25 years. We've been featured in the New York Times. We've won this award. This is what our customers say. That's when you can show show your authority, but you also have to. You have to you know, demonstrate some empathy as well before you show authority. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I see that more as, as almost offering reassurance that it's okay to do business with someone because 
Uh, it just comes from a, a different point of view. If you speak to anybody who's a genuine expert, they don't feel that they've got to tell you they're an expert. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's never exactly. that pressure. And so they're curious about you. They, you know, they'll listen to you and then they'll ask you questions and they provide, you know, reassurance, yeah. you know, as we talked about there. And, uh, and make, and a, make, a, make a diagnosis like a doctor. Yeah. You, you listen to... You listen to the problems, and then you then you diagnose diagnose a solution. But you don't diagnose a solution and tell someone how fabulous you are until you know what the what the problem is that they're that, that they're trying to fix. Sure, sure. And if they want your help, I think that's the other thing is to also to keep it a keep it a bit at arm's length and, until they they really want your help. There's nothing worse in the sales process than, than someone kind of. Being overly pushy, you can you can smell the desperation. definitely put off that. And before we get back to the show, how would you like me to help you triple your sales? Now, just imagine for a moment waking up every morning and checking your inbox with a smile for a change. No more worrying where your next client's coming from. I'll help you build and implement your sales pipeline, and I'll do most of the heavy lifting for you. The program is called Slipstream, and this is for you if you have a viable business and a proven track record of getting your clients' results. If you can say yes to both of those questions, I'd love to speak to you. And here's where it's different to most other coaching programs you heard before. Number one, you will get dedicated one-on-one time to you every single month. Number two, you get a place on my Get Real About Business Mastermind. This is not some lousy Facebook group where you get to ask a question. This is a proper two-and-a-half-hour business mastermind. And more importantly, over the first four to six weeks, I'm actually going to sit down with you and I will help you develop your marketing materials and marketing plan, and we will do it all together. I'll actually create materials for you. Why am I doing this? Because I want you to see results. And I'm even going to guarantee that you'll get a five-times return of investment if you join this program. It's called Slipstream. To get involved, just go to getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash slipstream or set up a short introductory call just to get the ball rolling. So that's getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash slipstream. And that's where we'll leave our interview today with Sarah McDonald. I hope you agree. There's plenty there that you can action and get going in your business. That was my intention with all of these episodes, really. But just ask yourself now, think back to what you've been doing with your marketing. Have you been guilty of random acts of marketing? Do you sometimes get pulled into different things because you think it's the latest thing to do, but it's really only based on what other people are saying is right for your business? Essentially, what we're talking about today is business and marketing intelligence. Not going with the flow, not following the man down a pub. It's about doing some real world research into what your customers want and need, and then creating a marketing strategy and plan based on those needs. And it's just possible that if you've been sitting listening to this today, you've been thinking, well, this sounds great, but I'm not sure that I can find the time, then let me challenge you here. Think how much time you've wasted up to now chasing after one marketing tactic after the other and things just not working out for you. Of course, some of the things you're doing are working, but think of all the things that you've done that have not worked out. What if you'd done that little piece of homework to start with? Or more importantly, what if you did it now before carrying on and and making more of the mistakes that you've been making up to now. And do you know what the best thing is? And I speak from experience here. The best thing is that when you go and do it, not only will you learn lots, 
and it will help you with the effectiveness of your marketing. But it's actually very enjoyable. It's a chance for you to connect with your audience and connect with your customers. So it's a great bonding activity and you'll actually enjoy it. I say this because I did it. So that's me laying down a gauntlet for you. Get on and use this stuff. Start by making a list of the questions that we talked about earlier. Maybe you've got those three phases, awareness, consideration, and decision. Make a list of your questions and then go and book some clients in to have a conversation with them. It really is not any harder than that. Well, if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you found it useful, then I wonder if you can do me a quick favor and jump onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you found this and just leave us a quick review. A five-star review would be really appreciated, but whatever you think, we'll be back next week with more golden nuggets on how to market and grow your business. Until then, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.